thank you all for being here today. I'd like to say that uh, even if no one came, I'd like to think that I would do this. Uh, but uh, it's good to have companionship and members of the song that to support each other, the family that supports each other. So thank you very much, too. But I'd really like to think that I would sit, even if there was no reason why we would do this talk, even if no one was listening. That leads to our subject today, which is Noya's suspicious commencement of ongoing. The beginning of our preparations for Jukai, sowing, and our upcoming global day of service. Why do we do this? What's the reason? First of all, I want to say one of the lovely things about Zen is that we do so much without need for why. Why gets in the way. It's a non-why. That's especially true for Chick Fantaza. For some reason, to get something out of it, you're not going to get out of it what you can get out of it if you stop trying to get something out of it, which is to be free of the need in life always to be getting something, some profit, running away from some loss, needing, needing, needing some reason or something else. There's so much that we do in Zen practice. It's pure. It's open. It's honest. Just what it is. No need for a why. As to Dogen, it sometimes gives uh, explanation of Zazen practice. You'd say it's why. That is a question, but it's a statement. Because I say, why do we sit Zazen? Why, oh, why? That's why. Something like that. How beautiful it is just to do something with simplicity. Maybe some of our artists and musicians can understand the time to paint, I guess, to instead of painting and make a buck, but to paint or to get famous. Uh, to paint even self-expression, say something, that sounds more honest. There's a time to paint, just to paint, um, to play music, just to play, and then sit, just to sit. Sometimes we do things not for the original reason either, just perhaps <coughs> to, <coughs> just to do it, or to honor tradition. I remember uh, a Zen temple. It's a training monastery. Um, I go to very frequently in Tokyo. <coughs> and uh, at nighttime, nine o'clock, they ring the bells a certain way. 
And they later found out the reason they'd ring those bells a certain way in the Zen temples was a clock. In the old days, the Zen temples were in the mountains. There was a way to tell the monks and the farmers that it's 9.30. They'd ring a certain way. 9.30. Time to go to bed. It's 4.15. Time to feed the cows. But now in Tokyo, in this modern temple, they have clocks all over the place. I asked the young monk who was ringing the bell, I didn't know at the time before, but the reason was I said. Why do you ring that bell that certain way? And then later I thought, if it's a clock, they have clocks all over the place. What's the use of still ringing the bell that way? I can just look at the clock and see it's 9.30. Well, the young monk didn't know, so he asked a slightly older monk. The little bit older monk didn't seem to know either. So they asked an even older monk who came over. And in very nice Japanese English said to me, Ah, we ring bell like that because that is how we ring bell. <laughs> and that was good enough for me. But when we do ango, or many of the other activities here, it's also good sometimes to ask why. This week I got on my high horse. There was another occasion to express compassion for something. In this case, for my brother Tiger, I said, People say, I'll send you meta and I'll send you meta. And I started to think, what are we really doing? Why are we really doing this? I don't want to get into that whole discussion again, but there is a discussion about uh, singing a song that is connected to a longer Buddhist ceremony but actually uh, very mystical and magical to feed the hungry ghosts. We ask again, why, why are we doing it? Does that really help anyone? I don't want it to turn into like getting a reading card from the Hallmark reading card store. I think you, people don't send it as much anymore, but used to go to drugstores when you buy a card. Dear Aunt Mary, happy birthday. There's no 50 cents. Don't forget to leave me in the will. Maybe you should get a card. Dear Syria, sorry about your war. I don't want it to turn into that. And I don't want to simply be doing many of our Buddhist practices like we're wizards somehow casting a spell for peace and goodness I really need to understand in my heart why some of these practices but anyway let's look at today why what is Ango? Why? Why are we sitting in this? In the old days in India, 
monks spend most of their time seemingly wandering by themselves. The weather was good, food was readily available. They said they pull up a tree and camp in the forest. Have your begging bowl and someone always was around to usually put food in. And the Buddha even cautioned about months gathering them together in large groups. It was a practice very often of me, myself, and I on our own road. But sometimes during the year, the rainy seasons would come. The Buddha would have his monks gather from far and wide to get out of the rain, and more importantly, to be together, to meet face to face. They didn't have what we have these days, they didn't have the kind of communications we're using, they didn't even have Hallmark cards or telephones. The only way to get together was to get together. And so the Buddha said, Hey fellows, at least once or twice a year, let's get together and have a convention. Build new community, build Sangha spirit, exchange information, make sure everybody has got all the memos. And the latest teachings, unless the Anga began. As Buddhism moved to China and Japan, and Korea, and other places, monks took to living in monasteries. And then the need really was much decreased for people to gather together, to practice together, and exchange information. But Ango continued. Ango continued as a time of a little bit more intensive practice, a little bit more sitting, a little bit more. Let's get back to the basics. And so we can, this practice has continued to our day. Master Bilbo notes that anyone who doesn't participate in Ango isn't even a monk. A person who, nevertheless, does not practice and experience the 90-day summer retreat, and yet says, I may be a descendant of the Buddhist patriarch, is laughable, and is a stupid person, unworthy of laughter. Do not even listen to the words of people who speak like this. Do not talk with them. Do not sit with them. 
do not walk with them on the same path. During the Buddha Dharma, we teach even people through the method of silence. We must just understand and maintain and rely upon the 90-day summer retreat as the Buddhist patriarch himself. Its authentic transmission extends from the seven Buddhas to Mahakashapa, and 28 patriarchs in India have authentically transmitted this Pongo right from rightful successor to rightful successor. Dogen was the Vince Lombardi, who was a great football coach in America. Uh, a tough guy who pulled no punches when he said it. But now we're sitting at home and we call this little thing we're doing Congo. We're not sitting in a monastery. We're not rising at 4 a.m., at least not most of us. Sitting and working and sitting and chanting and sitting and working and sitting and chanting and sitting and working and chanting. At least not most of us. Most of us are rising and feeding the kids and going to work and coming home and maybe chanting a little and sitting a bit and then paying the taxes and going out and maybe having to go to the government office and then go to the doctor's appointment and come back and sit more and get the car fixed and then go to bed because it repeats the next day. Is that ongoing? What do we do? Maybe not an ongoing that the Buddha would recognize. Maybe not an ongoing that Dogen would recognize. But I believe it is an ongoing that the Buddha and Dogen would recognize or what it is at its heart, which is a bit of coming together, a bit of returning to basics, a bit of slightly more dedicated practice living to this life. Dogen is never a man for understatement. And in his Sorbogenza section, Ango, Ango means, on means peaceful, stable, at ease, and go means coming to rest, being in a place, a single place, coming to rest in a place. In his writings of Ango, he laid out detailed instructions for how he wanted his monks sit on the literally it reads like uh, a mystical a manual for tuning your car now turn left now turn this screw right very very detailed and of course our practice is at home but i think the spirit is just the same and so without hesitation i will read what master Dogen said at the beginning of that Ango chapter about what this is. One of our tools is the 90-day summer retreat. When you say it's a tool, it's something we do for a purpose. Even though all our sitting involves no purpose, we have a reason for this. It is the mind and the real features of the Buddhas and the patriarchs themselves. And it has been directly experienced by their skin, flesh, bones, and marrow. When we sit, when we practice ango, we are practicing the skin, flesh, bones, and marrow 
of the Buddhas and ancestors themselves. Picking up the, the very eyes and the minds of Buddhist patriarchs, we have made them into the days and months of the 90-day retreat. Our retreat, it was a summer retreat here. We'll do it a little later. One summer retreat is just another name for Buddhas and patriarchs. The summer retreat starts to finish with Buddhist patriarchs themselves. Beyond this, there is no additional inch of soil. There is no great earth beyond this. A true summer retreat is neither new nor old, even though we have a beginning of summer retreat. It's 90 days long, or an end of summer retreat. This retreat is truly beyond time, it's beyond beginning and end. It is beyond doing or not doing. It is beyond coming and going. And thus he says, A true summer retreat is neither new nor old. It is beyond coming. It is beyond going. Its dimensions are the dimensions of a fist. Sometimes Zen Master would just raise a fist. I'm going to raise my fist today while we sing, You shall overcome. But this is a different fist. This is the fist that expresses uh, all the universal reality. Sometimes great Zen masters would hold up their one fist. That fist is, is on the, its characteristics are the characteristics of a ring through the nose. The teachings of Zen that compare us to wild oxen that need to be tamed by putting a ring through their nose, getting them to settle down. Well, this ango is also our settling down, putting a bit of a ring through our own nose, through our own most habits. Where we continue. At the same time, because we begin the summer retreat, it comes having blocked out space and no place in the ten directions are left over. And because we finish the retreat, it goes tearing the whole earth asunder and no inch of soil remains. For this reason, when the reality of the start of the summer retreat is realized, it seems to come, and when the restrictions of the end of the retreat are broken, the retreat seems to go, even though it is like this. The fact is only that some adherence to the state of direct experience or each coming into contact with the start and the finish. For thousands of miles there is not an inch of grass. Give me back the money I paid for the 90 days of meals. Oh, he's never going to say things in a quiet way. Oh, I think someone's come to join us for good exalted. We begin our ango today. We end our ango in 90 days, but it's truly beyond space and time. The monasteries, they rise in the morning, they sit, they ring the bell, they chant. 
Here we take care of the baby, take care of our work, take care of our homes, take care of our jobs, and sit and ring bells and chant. And it's all the same, beyond beginning and end, beyond time and space, beyond this and that. Do not think that this under we sit is any less than they sit in India, any less than they sit in the highest Himalayas, any less than they sit in the great monasteries of old China. This under we sit is real, it is present, it is ours, it is beyond all the directions, it is beyond beginning and end. And it consists. こんにちは。どうぞ今、ちょっと話していますけど、次にお書きください。残念始まってください。はい。Nice to see you. One thing we're going to ask everyone to do is to sit just a few minutes longer each day. Why do we ask someone to sit just a few minutes longer each day? Truly, Zazen is beyond long or short, just as Ango is beyond long or short. Sit one second, sit one moment of a second, sit one moment of a moment of Zazen beyond time and space. Beyond beginning and end, and you have sat for endless, endless eons of time. Yet, you sit a little longer because sincerity and dedication are so much at the heart of it. You may not want to do something, but in Ando, in Zazen too, we give up what we want. Our desire, our craving to be doing something else, to be sitting in front of the TV, to be sitting on a beach. And we sit because we sit. That's why. That's why. Sit a few minutes longer with all dedication, with all sincerity. Dropping all desire to be somewhere else for those things. Dropping all thought that there's a reason to be sitting longer. Dropping all thought and measurement of long and short. It's a very, very good event. And I ask you to come together here for our Zazen Chai. Also, We sit, we chant here. But this is a chance for our community to come together, just as the Buddhist community did in old, old India. Just symbolically, we stand here in a circle and we chant. If we could, we reach out and hold each other's hand. This is our chance. We sit, we gather. We chant together. The Buddha spoke not just of the Dharma, his teachings, not just of Buddha himself, but of Sangha, vital, the community. He's coming together once a week 
It's just like a family that says we don't care how busy we are, we don't care how many obligations we have, what homework needs to be done. We are going to gather together for a meal as a family and share once a day. Hopefully, it's even tough for families to do that these days. But this is our chance once a week to come together, to sit together. The next practice we're suggesting, we're asking, really, okay, I'm demanding. I'm very demanding that. There's a few things that I'm demanding about. Maybe I can be more demanding. But one thing I'm pretty demanding about is this global day of service. I really believe in this. In the coming weeks, we set out, it's one day that I'd like you to take. But we set out a whole range of days. It doesn't have to be everyone on the same exact day because everyone has busy schedules. But everybody has a day, a day off, hopefully. And you may want to spend it with your family. But make this a family event. As a matter of fact, what a wonderful way to share it with your loved one. What a wonderful way to share this with your children, the spirit of this. We sit. We practice in order to rescue all the sentient beings. And part of our teaching is we do this because there's no sentient beings to save. There's no lack or need of physical. And one of the ways we rescue sentient beings is by teaching them this wholeness and peace and completeness. But there's other ways to rescue beings because they need food, they need shelter, they need uh, a drink when it's hot, they need a blanket when it's cold. Um, this is our day to come together and actually make this world a little bit better. I cannot stop the war in Syria, perhaps, uh, but I can do something in my own community make it a little more beautiful, make it a little more peaceful, to help someone who really has need. Can you guys still hear me out there? Give me a thumbs up if you can. Okay? So we're suggesting some projects, and a whole range of projects. Even for some of our folks who are physically challenged cannot leave the house. There are things you can do even from your own house that you really cannot get out. Uh, there's something for everyone. We, we're suggesting a whole cafeteria of possible projects, things you can do. I'm probably not considering two things, doing but doing both. I, I work with some disabled kids. I may make a special uh, day for them. Uh, also, I may rent a truck. We have people who have been dumping trash in the woods around here. And maybe my family um, can rent a truck and just pick up the trash and haul it to the dump all day. Uh, which I think uh, a lot of my neighbors are going to say it, but they would really uh, appreciate someone to do it. Everybody just walks by again. So that's what I'm thinking. Another practice, one we're going to do later later today, is the metaverses. And then I'm going to speak a little more about why I chant the metaverses. It came up this week. Uh, I need a why to chant the metaverses. I cannot see it as 
some simple magic spell that uh, my chanting here is actually going to bring peace to someone on the other side of the world so easily. Uh, I will talk later about what the metaverses mean to me. I wouldn't do them if I didn't believe in them. I do believe that they're magical, but not in the kind of magic that uh, we usually think is incantation. The magic is very real. And I'll speak about that in a bit. Another practice we suggest to you is the nurturing seeds practice. And this is straight for Pasana. Part of Buddhist practice in all schools, including the Zen school, is being aware of the mind theater, the craziness that's always going up there, the greed, the anger, desire. Um, the monkey mind. Part of the ability to not be its prisoner is to recognize it and develop the ability to change it. Some schools of uh, meditation, like the Vipassana school, many Tibetan practices, very much address it directly. Their meditation is to sit, observing the mind theater, all the bits and pieces of it, and practicing how to change it. Our Zazen is sitting Zazen Shikhan Kaza, but that doesn't mean that we don't practice Vipassana too. Vipassana is simply awareness of uh, the primarily harmful and uh, negative mind games and emotions and learning how to change them. It's vitally important. There's a simple example of a guy who sometimes gets angry. When you get angry, it feels very real. I'm angry and I have something real to be angry about. When you start, start practicing the possible practice, you start to say something more along the lines of, oh, my mind theater is just momentarily creating for me the experience and illusion of anger caused by some trigger outside us that is, uh, I am considering to be something that is making me angry. And if I change that uh, experience, I can replace the anger, for example, with forgiveness, with tolerance. Buddhism 101. Well, our nurturing seeks practice, which uh, owes a lot to uh, Thich Han, who was a marvelous teacher. Some discussion this week about whether he's a soft teacher. Yes, he's a soft teacher. A soft, wise, profound, and hard as nails, hard as diamonds. Uh, some of this is uh, based on his uh, version of the possible nurturing seeds practice. We ask you to look at that for a and try to practice that every day. So next time you get greedy, next time you get angry, maybe you don't fall into the trap as much. Something you practice with every day, something I have yet to perfectly master, is ask my wife. Uh, listen to uh, all the talks by Jindo and Tiger. They are endlessly profound, entertaining, and beautiful. Um, engage in our practice partner exercises. This is something we developed here. Don't show for it, actually. He's uh, kind of stole this in the tradition a few years ago. Uh, there are ways for people to make buddies, to be friends, 
to have some more communication uh, in this sangha. I'm not saying this, uh, we have an ulterior motive to it. Yes, make a friend, get to know someone. But also these practice partner exercises themselves are a chance to express the traditional values of the monastery in present terms. Um, it's an experiment. And uh, you wash the dishes with mindfulness. And you express gratitude for everything in your life. Even the thing you don't like. I cut you off in traffic. Don't give him a finger. Give him a gosh out. Well, not when you brought him. You understand what I mean. Can you express gratitude for all the people in your life you never did notice? All the other people on the bus, life's bus with you, make the bus possible. Not just the bus company and the bus driver, but all the other passengers. They express gratitude for all things. Uh, we'll get into each of the practice uh, partner exercises uh, one by one. But they do have uh, a reason to. Some people like them. Some people uh, uh, can you care for them so much. I'm going to ask you to keep an open mind. I like the first I do. No, I do. Discussion, uh, join in our ANGO uh, forum discussion. I'm going to post a little thread today called ANGO Experiences, share your ANGO Experiences. Just drop a line um, for the simple reason to let other people know you're out there and how it's going. Is it going easily? Is it going hard? What are you finding difficult? What are you finding a piece of cake? What is unexpected? Share it with others because we're all in the same boat. I have vowed uh, to give up sweets and ice cream and uh, Exercise every day. Instead uh, of uh, three times a week like I do now, I'm going to get on that exercise bike every day and let a lot of cookie or ice cream. Uh, uh, and this is hard. But why do we do this? Why do we give something up? That's the next thing we've asked of you give something up. We are prisoners of our desires. We're prisoners of what we want, how we want life, what we need, some things we're addicted to. If we don't get it, we're very unhappy. How wonderful it would be, this is Buddhism 101 of it, how wonderful it would be to be masters of our ship where we're not prisoners of our desires. Since the very beginning, all the Buddhist schools teach us a desire in excess to be a prisoner of desire, chained and pulled around by desire, is imprisonment is the source of dukkha, dissatisfaction and pain. If you can master a little bit, uh, this is my philosophy, I, I mean this also, if you can master a little bit, giving up a small thing that you really crave and love, maybe in life later down the road, hand you something really big, really big and hard, life and death kind of thing. Maybe you'll be able to apply that same power to it and realize that you are the master even then, you're not a prisoner of your desires. If you can let them go, when the craving comes, with you, I feel like anyone's ever quit smoking. I used to smoke years ago. And I failed many, many times, and then I realized when the craving comes, I can let it go. 
It's really good. When I start trading cigarettes, I'm going to apply that same practice here. Where I apply it many, many times in life. The life hands me something I really, really find unappealing. But here, let's we're going to take it small. When you're in a monastery, they tell you to get up, eat when everyone eats. You have few possessions, a few entertainments, because they're learning. Part of what they're learning is also to be free of the need for things, the need for desires. And that's what we're practicing here too. Uh, try to meet with me or Tiger or both of us if you'd like, at least once, maybe twice, during Ango. Uh, by Skype if you can, it's a wonderful, wonderful tool. I already meet with several of you from time to time. Jukai, uh, I'll talk more about the Jukai uh, when we get uh, we do Jukai and sewing in uh, a couple of weeks. Jukai is uh, reflecting on the precepts, learning to live by them as guides to a peaceful, content, uh, harmless life where we are not prisoners of greed and anger. Precepts point us in that direction. Sewing is marvelous practice of learning how to sew our life stitch by stitch with all its perfectly imperfect imperfection, bringing our sincerity and effort into it, even though we know that no Ratsu is ever finished, no Ratsu is ever perfect or complete, but we do our best sewing practice. Uh, try to make any work you do around the house a bit of sama, a bit of awareness, when you wash the dishes or pull the weeds or wash the car, try to do it as if it was a sacred act. Try to do it as if it was the only place to be in the universe in that moment. When you're washing your dishes, do it with as much spirit as if you were washing the whole world clean of all, of all its dirt and disease. When you're taking care of your baby, changing a diaper, treat it as if you're changing the baby Buddha. You are. To make all practice solid. Engage in mindful eating. What is mindful eating practice? I was surprised how much resistance there was to this little chant. This little chant is something, a short version, I, I basically made, that's from our longer Oriyoki wheelchair. And people said that this was really hard. Maybe it was uh, some resistance to people's Judeo Christian background. People uh, were hesitant, I guess, to chance and embarrassed. You know. If you're with your family, though, I think it's a good time to make it a family event. If you're out in public at a, at a, at a business meeting, for example, I'm not going to ask you to make a big show. You live in a place where there are people of many, many different religions and practices, and uh, you, can, you can do it loud and in public if you wish. I think it's okay to do it silently. I spoke to a Muslim friend the other day about. He's a scientist in business, and he has to pray, pray five times a day. What does he do? Well, he says he makes a time, he steps away. He doesn't, in the middle of the office, pull out his prayer rug and do his prayer. He would like to, but the office provided him his space, and he goes to his private space and he prays. But you can do this in private. You don't have to make a big public television. But if you listen to what this Neil Chan says, it is simply saying that this, there is gratitude. For 
all that has brought this food to us. And that includes not just the farmers and the truck drivers and the workers in the supermarket. That includes the stars and the rain and the, the whole earth. And it's medicine to support us, to support our practice of the Buddha, to support our whole life. And it's our wish that all sentient beings everywhere, all the hungry beings in this world, would be fed. Let's read it first. This food comes from the efforts of all sentient beings, past and present, and is medicine for nourishment of our practice. We offer this meal of many virtues and tastes to the Buddha, Dharma, and Sangha, and to all life in every realm of existence. We simply ask, may all sentient beings in the universe be sufficiently good. And last, but there is no last, we are going to have a two-day Rohat's retreat in December. Well, we again ask everyone, if you can, this is the time. I, I love sitting with everyone here, truly. But if you can find a week, would you pray? Two weeks? Mm -hmm. You could do it for a 90-day ango, if possible. Even three days, four days. And you can go someplace where people are sitting in a traditional manner. It would be wonderful. But I know many of you can't. So in December we do have Tiger will have a day, and I will have a day. We will have a two-day Rojas retreat. Why do we sit long from morning till night, all day, potentially, if sitting is not a matter of long and short, is not a matter of time? Well, the fact of the matter is, even though sitting is not a matter of time, there is the effect of time, and it is good. To sit intensely for a few days, just wrestling with the me, myself, and I, what I want, mine, what I need. And even though it's not a matter of one second or one day or one year or one eon or one practice period, it is good sometimes to sit long and intensely, wrestling with it. Thus we have our annual retreat. And now I will ring the bell and we will sit a little more zazen. Why do I ring the bell this way? Because that's how we ring the bell. Uh, this is the